Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday all the way through to five. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off The Ball. Listen across the country on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels. For Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined in studio by the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist, Johnny Ward. And on the line by the former Republic of Ireland international, David Myler. Lads, how is the form? Good, Jamie. It's been a while. Since, it's been yeah, you've been, been at Oktoberfest, and I was, I was, a, well, the Euros draw in Frankfurt yeah. as well. Which <laughs> was not, a, not, not so much Oktoberfest. <laughs> uh, it's German beer mi- from mi- one city to mis- another. Misery fest. Still order and all that. Yeah, the misery fest of the the, the Frankfurt Euros draw. But um, yeah, Glasgow and a lot of Saturdays away. Malde. Uh, no, that was, I'm talking about Saturdays, John. Obviously, so we haven't been in the studio for like five or six. Well, you're welcome. Saturdays, man. I think it is. So it's um, pumped up, Johnny. People, people think this is all just like this. All just comes together. Johnny literally sprinted into the studio around thirty seconds before it's we started. It's a long time since I sprinted. Taking wires, microphones, everything, just like, and then he sits down like a true pro. Like he's, yeah. like he's completely unruffled over there. Murray Walker used to get so agitated every time he did the Grand Prix with James Hunt because they were completely different characters and Murray was very fastidious and everything prepared. A bit like myself with the computer here and doing all the five or six hours of prep last night and Hunt would just stroll up, put on the headphones with just about to go green light and do the masterclass and broadcasting. And we're expecting the same for you here this afternoon, no, Johnny. No pressure. Typical of Johnny. He was at, I was, uh, at some gig in Pygmalion last night. Mouse Morris's Morris son, son, Jamie, did a DJ set, so I called I into him. your Instagram uh, yeah. stories. Um, it's, uh, Johnny's Instagram is award-winning media, by the way, folks. It's yeah. a play on award-winning, um, if you don't get the reference, but um, I presume you did it. Pygmalion, so were you, then, were it, you doing some George Bernard Shaw readings, Johnny Reed? Uh No, nothing like that. I was at a League of Ireland match before us. <laughs> So I went to uh, Pats and Bows. Uh, I was sold out, uh, JD, and kind of in a Hunter S. Thompson-esque move. Um, like today, I was actually late getting there, so the press box was full. So I sat kind of um, over, basically among the Pats fans, near the Bows fans, and it was a great experience, actually, sometimes just watching a game with kids behind you and their thoughts on football and their favourite players and all that. In the second half, there were these four Scousers um, chatting about how they'd done a pub crawl from uh, town to get to the match and they'd picked like three or four pubs along the way got to the match I was like what are they doing here so one of them uh, is Tom Gravosti's father Tom Gravosti is a scouser who plays for Liverpool but was suspended last night and uh, had great crack with them fascinated to hear their views on Irish Guinness and Irish football and a uh, big win for Pats Tom Gravosti big Liverpool fan because uh, he was at the Champions League final in Paris he mentioned apparently this. their address is Anfield the family like they literally they're live, pure, they're pure red yeah. um, Italian name so they've uh, some uh, Italian uh, background but um, just just on the on the Pats front JD we'll talk League of Ireland later FAI Cup uh, semi-final weekend but um, this is a club that's absolutely buzzing at the moment they're only fourth in the table they're out of the cup they're out of Europe over 5,000 at the game so many kids there really good vibe in the place and um, yeah club really on the up David you keep them well? I'm good lads good can't complain a great week for the Irish women's team as well, David. World Cup to look forward to next year. Are you keeping an eye on it? I did, yeah. I watched the game. Um, like, it's just superb. Um, obviously, qualifying for the first time. And then when you think of it, even with the men, like, we've only qualified for six major tournaments and to see them get into World Cup. And I don't think for the girls it's quite sunk in yet because once the actual tournament gets started, you'll see 
like the amount of support that they will, you know, they'll get. And obviously with it being down under, um, there's obviously huge Irish uh, people living down that way. So they'll all go and watch and support them. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, they fully deserve it. Um, it's going to be brilliant for them. It's going to be a game changer, folks, for young people in this country, young girls, young boys, early starts, being woken up, watching these matches, the fry-ups, the, maybe the pubs open early. It's going to be great. I, I hope so, John. Like, I hope so. I think, I mean, David Kelly wrote in our paper during the week, and I think he's right to do this as well, that I think people are declaring it as this game changer and everything's going to change. But he pointed out he was there in 2013 when the, the women's rugby team won the Grand Slam and all the coverage was the same. This is the game changer. We're, you know, we're never going back. You know, this is going to inspire. And you see in a very short space of time things change there so it's only a game changer if people properly build on it and rather than just doing the classic Irish thing of just really enjoying this great event which of course there's nothing wrong with that but it's 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 about sort of um, not just like focusing everything around that one event next summer but actually sitting down and going right like what are we going to do to make this yeah. last what well, are we going to do to make this there's, stay there's money going to come in here so how do we spend the money yeah. well, speaking to Olivia Toole there and uh, Emma Byrne just about they had different views like Emma was saying players need to get to England or need to get to America need to get to professional setups yeah. and Olivia was saying we need an academy here yeah, so there's different, like, and you know, you can learn from the past. I mean, we had like the golden era. I mean, uh, I know we qualify for tournaments in, in recent times, but I suppose the, you know, the eighties, the nineties, Jack Charlton's breakthrough era, where we we just enjoyed it, but then got a little bit complacent off the back of that, and just probably assumed that, well, you know, we have top players at top clubs in England, um, which is comparable to some degree with where the Irish players are now, uh, use the grandparents rule, which is what Virapau has done at times during the campaign, and probably just t- thought that everything would be okay, you know, and there's going to be a lot of politicians that will get involved in this in the next while, I'm sure there was this week, they will in the, the forthcoming months uh, coming up to next year, and we are in the middle of a sort of a, an ongoing discussion around funding uh, around football in this country, um, you know, boys, girls, whatever, all levels of the game, um, and I don't think um, like the bandwagon should roll this time without people who are hopping on the bandwagon from that background um, being asked to follow through on some stuff they've talked about. And to be fair, I, I think there is probably is some degree of willingness to talk about doing that in recent years. But to me, this is an opportunity then to push that on and, and to really push that and not to be, not to sort of just be negative about it here uh, and to sort of try and rein it in. Like, it's great to be excited. It's absolutely amazing, like that that buzz and that genuine lift that people got during the week. But sometimes it's, it's very short lived here. We all get on board with this thing. This is great. You know, we're going to get on board with this and, you know, and, and even in women's sport, I mentioned the rugby one, like the hockey team got to the World Cup final, everyone got involved in that. You know, they played in the World Cup this summer, didn't even get coverage, you know, um, TV coverage. Is football so, not different though? Uh, you, well, well, you'd hope so. And I, like, I mean, I'm obviously a little bit biased in that regard, that no, you, that think, you would hope that would be is. the case. I think it is. I but, I mean, we still have a situation where, say, the Women's National League in this country, you know, players are getting expenses you know, to play. You know, a couple, it would have been paid for play until quite recently. Um, so... Uh, the irony about the women's game is we're not that far behind other countries. There obviously are some countries that Ireland are miles behind who've been doing this for years, but then there would be other countries who'd be very advanced in terms of men's football who wouldn't, wouldn't care about their women's team. You know, and as a consequence, um, there is a chance like to try and do something here, whatever that may be, be it the academy or whatever they choose to go, to actually be starting off in a position where actually you could meaningfully qualify and, and compete for tournaments on a regular basis if you get stuff right. So um, 
I would hope that that's where this discussion goes as opposed to just the the, the natural exhilaration of let's all get on board with this um, you know some of these players will, will you know the, the home base players some of them can play in games week to week with, with no one there practically so um Everyone like who's getting on board with this probably everyone has a responsibility and that includes media includes everyone to sort of to sort of think okay how can we push this on and like, we all saw what a brilliant boost and lift we all got from Tuesday what can we do to make this well, we more might regular? want to have those conversations you know? yeah I think so to have those conversations yeah. Johnny yeah and uh, I think you know the funding is at the heart of it. like women's sport and women's football in general is is very very uh, young and it's it's I think it's made incredible progress I mean even I, uh, I think the general view is if you don't watch it uh, very often and you put on a women's football game, like um, I, I was watching the League of Ireland for years and it took a long time to get to a standard where you could say like this is quite watchable. Women's football is already very, very watchable and the standard is going to just go through the roof as we get younger and younger players playing the game. And um, it was just a nice moment the other night. Um, my brother was talking to my sister about her kids and uh, is your, was your eldest daughter really enjoying the game? And she said she was, but it was actually my eldest son who was really watching it and he loved it. So it's more than young girls are inspired by this, it's young guys as well. And I think the, the government needs to look at this. Like I mentioned being at the game last night, JD, like the, the lads beside behind me that I mentioned, they were just giving out about how cramped it was. Like our, the grounds in this country are a joke. Facilities are a joke uh, in general. And for young kids starting off, um, there are barriers because of the lack of facilities. And I think the government needs to start looking at a football industry in this country, men and women. The Women's National League is making great strides. Um, I'm delighted that Galway United have taken over the run of women's football in Galway for next season going forward. And that brings together a club, um, you know, where it gives opportunities for male coaches to coach with the female teams and vice versa and it brings you into a proper football family but you know the government invests a lot of money in other sports that I think uh, especially from um, the gambling industry and where does that money go I think a lot of it needs to go to football because we do need to build on this and uh, we should be very proud of what they achieved the other night. Dominic Solanke has scored for Bournemouth. They're having a great run under Gary O'Neill. 1-0 up away to Fulham. Earlier on Leicester nil, Crystal Palace nil is a full-time not a memorable match. <laughs> they they oh. just uh, were just watching Premier Sports there, and just for about three or four seconds, they inadvertently shot to the studio where it's like Kevin Doyle and Kenny Cunningham, Kenny Cunningham and, and, and McDavid looking a little bit perplexed as to why they were suddenly on screen. <laughs> Thankfully, they so weren't up that's to the, uh, the joys of live radio and live TV. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. we, we are on the screen for anybody on YouTube and on the OTB Sports app and on Twitter, and we we always look perplexed. So that's all I can say is uh, Wolves nil, Nottingham Forest nil. And in the Championship, Luton 3, QPR 1 and Rotherham 2, Huddersfield 1. Georgie Kelly with the winner. Brilliant, yeah. Delighted for Georgie Kelly, as, as Johnny would be too, I'm sure, uh, having dealt with him quite a bit. Um, but Georgie Kelly um, joined uh, Rotherham midway through last season when they were going for promotion from League 1. Barely played and then come on and scored that goal, which wrapped up promotion. And uh, yeah, he's just been working as a super sub this year for them. And that's, that's his second goal, but that's a big goal in a TV live televised game. And uh, yeah, George Kelly's a great story. Like he's he's uh, quite academic. Like even at Bowes, he would have still been studying and very interested in sort of things beyond football. But um, that shouldn't take away from the fact that he's also a good footballer too. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take all the lads we can score in the championship. Bowes yeah. missed him massively, JD. I mean, they've they've lost totally they've lost the heart of the team um, but he was one of them and I think he was one of these guys where his career after his loan spell at Pats where he got like a couple of goals that season and Keith Long who's now obviously out of a job Keith Long was very confident that uh, his 
so-called gamble on Georgie Kelly would work. He didn't score in the first, I think, four or five games. Really took off, though, and uh, you couldn't couldn't wish it uh, to an nicer guy. And uh, the, as Dan says, like scoring at championship level, there are lots of Irish players who've made the move over to Britain in recent seasons from the League of Ireland. Some are struggling to get in, get a look in, and Georgie to be doing that in the championship, fair, fair play to him. Unfortunately for Darrell Lennon, who scored an own goal, uh, in the Middlesbrough Blackburn game, so Blackburn now one nil up. His former club, club, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Sheffield United won Blackpool nil, and in Scotland we have uh, Celtic involved one nil up against Hibs already. And David Myler, what's the biggest thing in your mind? And is it tomorrow with Liverpool City? Is that the big thing swirling around your head, football wise? It is. It's what Liverpool are going to turn up, JD. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's the big thing. They've just been, they've been awful. You know, for the standards and and the standard they've set, and how good they've been for you know the last few years. Um, just this year, like it's just all over the place. They're conceding in games. It's just it's been it's been a nightmare to watch. So obviously you're going in, sit here in flying form. Haaland is scoring fun. You just don't know what Liverpool are going to turn up. They've got huge, huge confidence from obviously the Champions League victory against Rangers. But then again, it's still there's levels to it. Rangers are nowhere near level a level of Liverpool. Now you're going in against City where it's kind of like this game will almost dictate Liverpool's season. This could be the turning point. I thought last week against Arsenal it would be, but you know, tomorrow's game is just it's it's just massive. And if Liverpool lose that, then I think it's just going to be one of those long, drawn-out seasons where they don't amount to anything. It's so fascinating, JD. I mean, to see the, this uh, Liverpool are on the verge of going 17 points behind Arsenal if they lose. I watched them against Arsenal and I watched them against Rangers, both games. I watched a lot of Liverpool lately. and um, It's like back to the 90s, Johnny, when you were obsessed. Yeah, like it's... Uh, oh, yeah, um, that was... But, I mean, it's funny, JD. In those days, it was rare enough that they were actually on TV. Like, every every few weeks, maybe, you could see them. Now you can see every game. And, like, you can... I mean, the, the lineup of of uh, games this weekend alone across the leagues that you can watch is mad but anyway like the the Rangers game was fascinating because they were interested to get David's views on it but it was so misleading yet at the same time you do wonder in terms of confidence like Salah's his first goal was excellent his second goal the keeper should save it like Salah was so off it in the home game against Rangers he was worse against uh, Arsenal taken off he's probably too far on the right in those games he's much more central against Rangers too far on the right and he's he's like he came on against Rangers and you could kind of tell like it was I think they were 3-1 up it was a good opportunity to bring him on and Rangers were beating Docker at that stage they kept giving the ball away but everything off him he's just off I think he looks tired and you know people are making the accusation about the contract I don't think it's that I think he's had a lot of games he looks tired but I mean the performance of Gomez in the first half at times their midfield in general they're so so far off it. like I genuinely expect if Man City turn up tomorrow they'll batter them they'll, they're so far ahead of them <laughs> but 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 maybe Liverpool have it in the Manfield can be a special place the place could be rocking tomorrow um, but even against Rangers you can see they, they're so so far off and I thought Harvey Elliott's performance was huge hugely encouraging I imagine he'll go 4-3-3 against City because if he doesn't and plays sort of a 4-2-3-1 um, against City you'd imagine he's going, they're going to get destroyed defensively they're, they're so far off where they were at and you see the goals they can see it obviously against Brighton and against Arsenal Van Dijk looks a shadow of the player he was you forget how long he was out nine and a half months with that injury he's clearly not the player he was um, Trent I don't know he, he didn't he's, play during the well, week he's injured, yeah. he's injured so like that's that's a, like Gomez to be honest. If, if, well if Gomez Gomez was terrible at times against Rangers kept giving the ball away admittedly improved in the second half but um, on, on form this should be an absolute formality tomorrow yeah but it's Anfield it's the crowd it's a 
home game. It, it, there, there, there is a mystery to, to football. It doesn't always go the way it's going to you, you think. But just on a human level, as well, Jilly, Sorry, I thought Klopp. He did an interview Jan Angerfjordoft after the uh, after the Arsenal game. He just looked so down. Like did you see re- him yesterday? He was comments giving out, yesterday. Yeah, I thought were it's um, not a fair fight. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I mean. Mm. And do you know what? Like he's basically right. He is right. Like he is right. Okay. Like he is right. But I, but I suppose sometimes you know, there's obviously times and managers are tactical about when they say stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine this was just instinctive. He just said, do "You know what? I'll go for this today." Like just clearly, um, it always does either a tactic or it speaks to someone's mindset at that time. And like the negative slant in it is that he's just got a little bit downbeat with where things are at, and you realise. God, like maybe I have a bit of a rebuilding job on my hands here, and yet, you know, you're going to the into the market with clubs who who are state funded. Now, people will rightly shout, you know, sort of Man City, Liverpool, or sorry, Man City, Newcastle people, whatever. Well, look at the money Liverpool have spent, and they'll pick X player, and they'll pick, um, you know, how much they spent on Nunes or how much they have previously spent. But I mean, it, it is true, it is, like it is this like I mean, it's the discomforting aspect of football at the moment that. Like you are up against countries, you know, with, yeah. with, with sort of limitless reserves of cash. You're up against sports uh, washing. Yeah, no, of course, and everyone. You're up, you're up against countries that can spend astronomical money on wages, and the wages yeah. are the issue because you, Mbappe. I keep on seeing him being linked to Liverpool. How can they afford to pay his wages? Mm. But even the stuff about the Man City, some of the sponsors that's been exposed recently, some of the more unusual deals of sort of that betting company we've period, all heard, which of. is obviously all to do with like you know, you, you, if you have something as sponsorship, then that keeps you within the rules and. and there's clearly without going down that road uh, there's there's sort of questionable aspects to the whole thing now the thing is if you if you if you produce it at this time when you're on a low ebb it can be construed as like sour grapes i mean that's that's what you know it can be twisted that way like maybe if you're in a position of authority and you're talking about it it's like well we're doing great here anyway but it, it's sort of you could you could look at it and say yes you're right in what you're saying but why are you saying this now are you, are you sending a message to someone who are you sending that message to I don't know. I don't know what other people... Seven years there now, Klopp. If people haven't seen it, he said, there are three clubs in world football who can do what they want financially. It's legal and everything, fine, but they can do what they want. They will say, yes, but we have, but it's exactly the fact we have to look at it and say, we need that and we need that and we have to look here and make it younger and have a prospect and here a talent and this is what you have to do and you compete with them. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to watch Man City at times and think this is fair. But uh, the, the thing about it is, though, I mean, when it came to the Super League, though, I no clubs backed out mm. of it, but like Liverpool were more than happy to go. You know, their owners were more than happy to go in with Man City around certain things. You know, the 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 the, the big six in terms of stuff around TV rights, foreign overseas TV rights, getting a greater share they've pulled together. So, like, if people probably had a a difficult uh, they had difficulties with Man City, um, well. The, that ship has sailed now. <laughs> that ship, has, ship uh, has been joined uh, by that, Newcastle. Yeah, like you know, what I mean, it's it's that's that's gone. Unfortunately, um, I, I can't imagine any stand ever would have been taken. People will talk about American owners too, and they will raise questions about them. But but clearly, there's a slight contrast uh, between the various ownerships. I uh, would d- say, d- David, are Liverpool's best days behind them under club under Klopp? Do you think? Oh, JD, that's 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 hard to answer because. They've been so good for so long and they've been successful and they've won trophies and they've competed on all fronts. Like if you look at it, the back end, like we're, we're in October now, right? So if you go back five months, Liverpool were competing for four trophies. You know, they were like, obviously you look at the final day of the season when, you know, City were playing Villa and Liverpool were playing Wolves, whatever, right? Like 
that it could have gotten over the line. They could have ended up winning the Premier League. Obviously, Man City had that eight minutes of madness where they, like, even after the Community Shield game, like, City didn't look really at it. There was all this big comparisons between Haaland and Nunes. But Liverpool looked really sharp. They looked really good. And you kind of, any Liverpool fan would have looked at that game kind of go, okay, we're ready to go. Now, for whatever reason, they've started the season poorly. Um, I don't think his best days are behind him with that squad. Yes, the squad is aging. But there's just been... It's it's very hard, I think, to pinpoint one thing. Now, Trent's come under a lot of targeting. Um, A lot of the goals come down his side. Um, There's that issue. Virgil, like I know Johnny said there, Virgil's not the player. Like, even when Virgil came back from his knee injury, he took a couple of... Probably a couple of months to get going, but he looked fine. At the back end of the last season, not one person mentioned his knee. It's now all of a sudden that we're shipping loads of goals that that's an issue. Um, There's just been a couple of things... Like, yes, they probably need a bit of refreshing in midfield, um, like to kind of really bolster them up. But like, I don't think I don't think that team is gone. I think they will turn a corner. I think they're far too good to continue like this for the rest of the season. There's going to be a turning point. It's just whether or not that comes this weekend or in you know just before the World Cup. But at that point, like, how far behind Manchester City are they? Um, and that's the big thing because even if you look at last few seasons there's been massive gaps between Liverpool and Manchester City at both times and both teams have gone on incredible runs so they are capable of doing it like they're not they've not turned to bad players overnight um, so I do think that they will turn it round and I do think they will come good how, how do you think they down, yeah. sorry like how do you think they approach the game tomorrow David because like some of the it's analysis <laughs> like what well, some of the analysis of Liverpool like it has pointed out was it the Brighton game you know at times like you know, Liverpool tried to press, but a couple of couple of passes and they're opened up very, very quickly. Like they're exposed mm. and they're left, you know, two v two or three v like it, it, without club, you know, the opposition teams that necessarily needing to do too much. So, like, do we expect them to be more conservative in some way against a team like Man City? Even though when Liverpool are at their best, it's when they're high energy and when they're really after teams. You know, and the the, the slight thing for me is if they're going through a sort of a slightly Troubling patch, and they lose. They lose a bit of confidence in their ability to defend. You know, do they lose an essence of what their strength is? Is, is that they're very positive? You know, and, and like that's to me is like how do they, how do they approach this game, and what do you expect? I expect first and foremost, I think Firmino will start up front, <laughs> um, because he's always been the one that's been able to set the press. The biggest thing that Jurgen has always kind of gone on when you take like snippets out of his interviews when he's kind of overanalyzing performances where they've where they've struggled to, you know, struggle to stop teams playing through them, whatever, is he's highlights it's the front three press, the midfielder yeah. behind them. That's been a big issue. That the midfield aren't supporting the front three well enough. That gaps then appear. Um there was a, there was a great example ages ago, the four of us were on, but it was Manchester United when we were highlighting them and how players were pressing individually. Liverpool have a bit of that at the moment where mm. You know, it could be it could be Firmino pressing, and then Salah's a yard off it. Then Diaz is a yard off it, and that's when the gaps start to appear. Like I fully expect Liverpool tomorrow to kind of. I'm expecting them to go and play the way that they have played over the last few years. I don't see Jurgen sitting off and just saying to Manchester City, "You can have the ball." I think they're going to go. I think it's going to be a head-to-head game. I think they're going to take them on. They're going to try and be on the front foot. Certainly, being at home. Um, I think that's massive, and I think that's the way he'll approach it. 
you can't just give Manchester City, like there's going to be periods where they're going to dominate possession because they have the players and it's the way Pep sets them up. But there's going to be times when Liverpool are going to dominate the ball. And it's just, the biggest thing is there's a lot of individual mistakes. Like you look at, you know, the goals um, last weekend where Trent, he's just caught out of position that, you know, ball through the inside of a centre-back and a full-back. Like you always, always show on the outside, force the ball outside. So he should be like those, they're little mistakes that they're always making now. And they're like, they're getting punished for them. Mm. Those are the things that he'll be, he'll be really racking his brain because they're only small isolated situations, but they're conceding time after time. Um, and if they can start to correct them, I find, I still fancy Liverpool. Well, I think they'll go, they'll go for it. Um, they'll you go fancy them to get a result, David? I do. Like it's what? What is it? Five and a half years at Anfield um, with crowds that they haven't been beaten at home, um, or five and a half yeah. seasons. I, 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 I think it, that it definitely will make a difference tomorrow because, like the, the 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 crowd love this team, and obviously, like they 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 know that this is this is pretty grim the situation. It is interesting. Like Michael Walker's article the Irish Times there, he's speaking about the six Liverpool players who were uh, in for the Ballon d'Or: Mane, who's left; Trent, Luis Diaz, Fabinho, Salah, Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, Diaz is obviously injured. Four of them have just not performed this season, and their their two best players didn't have great season last season. I would argue, Allison, and definitely Firmino. Firmino's been outstanding. But eight goals in eleven, yeah. And he's um, he, like he brought a smile to everyone's face. I think the other guys um, got the goal. Obviously, but they were actually in trouble at one 0 down. They weren't playing that well. But David makes a couple of points there about their press. Like I don't think Nunes is good enough from what I've seen of him. He doesn't. He just doesn't look quick enough to be part of that team. And it's funny that we were talking about how will Haaland you know, adapt to this city kind of way of playing, which, I mean, didn't exactly age well, but Nunes just doesn't look like he's he fits his Liverpool system. The other thing I would say is if you looked at their press the other night against Rangers, at times, they're so they're so slow to put pressure on compared to the Liverpool of old. And I, I, don't, I don't see an easy answer to, to, the, to this tomorrow, JD. I mean, if, if Haaland performs, if Haaland is a 5 out of 10 performance, they lose by two goals. After that, who knows? <laughs> oh, isn't it? But that is the thing, though, like David says, like they, like they are risk, a risk-taking team, Liverpool. Like, well, they have to if, you, if, you, if, you, if you saw them lose a bit of their identity that way, you'd probably be more worried if they, if they did try and change it. But uh, it is one of these things, like, you kind of wonder... Um, the players have to be fully like bought into that tomorrow, like to really just get on board and to be Liverpool and be what they've been, even though they know that they're up against a team that can punish them more than anyone if they're off. But like they obviously have to just commit to it and go for it. But it does sometimes you see these big games in recent years where like, and I'm I'm sorry, like you're talking about Manchester United going into a big game and you would you would have these discussions about well, listen, if they can just get competitive and and yet. Over the ninety minutes, it eventually, yeah, you know, the the form team comes to the fore, and you kind of wonder is it, is it going to be one of those where you see a brilliant Liverpool for 45, 60 minutes? Well, the possession is a constrictor, and then it's just they can't see it out over the ninety. That's the slight the slight lingering fear that might be there. I, I think as well with City, I think they're. They've, they've targeted particular games this season. The Man United game, they were so at it. Obviously, they dropped Haaland during the week, didn't win, totally with an eye on this game. They're going to be at it tomorrow, and that's not good. So what about City then, David? Like, just what, what can you say? Like, the way De Bruyne and Foden are playing, I think, m- must deserve a mention as well. Oh, but it's, it's poetry emotion it watching is, yeah. them. It is. And the big thing is, like... If Fabinho starts tomorrow or if like with Henderson, Thiago, you've got to get round De Bruyne. Like it's it's the transitions when Liverpool are attacking, they turn over. It's it's his ability to put balls 
here than everywhere. Um, like that ball he put in for Haaland, like you're looking, you're looking at it kind of going, there's no space to play that pass, but yet he finds a way to do it. Like as, as, as incredible as Haaland has been, like uh, all his goals are nearly created for him. We've yet to see him do a, a whole lot. Do you know what I mean? But like, That's a slight understatement. Yeah, well, if you look at it, look at the goals he's scoring. They're kind of put on plates for him. Yes, he's in the right position. He's got everything about it. Some of his goals have been superb, don't get me wrong. But like when you have your Foden's, your Grealish, your De Bruyne's, Gundogan's, like Mares, like Bernardo Silva, like you look at that, that array of talent. I've listed off, what, six, seven players there. That all did you even mention Grealish? You did? Yeah, did yeah you? he did. Yeah. Sorry, like, not listening, that, J.D. That, that, like, I'm just looking at the scores here. Yeah, but if you look at that array of talent, like he's just got, he's got, he's got them playing behind him, and then like he's a superb athlete himself. Like it's just, it's just phenomenal that they think like he Pep has 22 world, well, I'm not gonna say world class, but international yeah. players, um, like that he can, he can pick and choose, that he can just, like it's, it's, it's incredible, and they are a phenomenal force, um. But Liverpool are going to have to find a way to obviously stop them, you know, getting the supply into De Bruyne, who's then trying to find Haaland. If they can counteract that, then might have a chance. Yeah, just just on that, as a player, if you're playing against these quality players, so if you're a Liverpool player tomorrow, even as good as you are playing against De Bruyne and Foden and the way they're playing, do you have an apprehension? Do you have a nervousness, a, a greater nervousness than you would have in another game? Me personally, if I was going into that game, I'd be excited. Like regardless of Liverpool's performances this season, you're going toe to toe with the Premier League champions. You know, one of the best teams in Europe. You know, all eyes are on the game. These are the games as a kid you dream about playing. You know, scoring the winner in in a game like that, like to go up against De Bruyne. Like I was only watching some of my highlights back a few years ago against Manchester City. Like when I played uh, with Hull, and you know, company got sent off and they went out to ten men. But they still had 68% possession against us. I think they we have an extra man, but yet we cannot get the ball off them. But you look back and those are the games we were excited. And if you're going into that, that's the that's the kind of part I think Liverpool will they'll be excited to take on this challenge because you know City are going to open up. You know the fullbacks are going to push on. Like it's about if we turn over the ball, we win the ball. Can we be on the front foot? Um, I fully expect it to be like a classic game with loads of goals. Um, Could you see them getting hockeyed? Oh, of course. Mm. Like, it was only, what, two, two, was it two seasons ago we were hockeyed by Villa? Like, any team is capable of getting hockeyed. That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, like, like, obviously with the injuries to Diaz, Diaz is is probably the bigger loss than Trent. Obviously, Trent is superb going forward, um, but he's probably struggling for confidence. Well, he's not, probably, he is struggling for confidence defensively. But Diaz is kind of the exciting one that if you were to turn over possession, you could get him, you know, to isolate someone one on one. Um that's kind of the excitement, but like what what way they'll go, who knows? The problem they have is well they like they Liverpool aren't good enough to really dominate possession tomorrow the way they're playing. Not at all. Like and the city's no. press is is hard. So they're they're, they're they're caught between a rock and a hard place in that they can't really dominate the ball. But like if they if they start sitting back and, and they're conservative, um, that's just going to invite City on. If they go kind of too aggressive in, in terms of the way that Liverpool play, they're so open when they lose the ball, as you saw against Arsenal. And City are miles better than Arsenal. I, I know you're, you're spot on in what you're saying, but at the same time, you can flip the coin and say, City, yes. 
City could turn up tomorrow and have a you know slight off day when mm. they're trying to keep possession. And if they lose possession, they're wide open. I don't know if you watched some of the Copenhagen game, but like they got themselves into great opportunities from mistakes. Um, the young boy Garcia obviously sent off like the boys in. Um, like this, this you can kind of you can look at it one or two ways. Like obviously with form and the way Liverpool are playing, you can't you can't go into it thinking Liverpool are going to go and you know, create loads of chances, dominate you no know, possession. I think one of another thing that's been a big problem for Liverpool. I think there's been a touch of arrogance in their performances. If you look back on Liverpool over the last three, four seasons, they've more or less blown teams out of the water in the first 45 minutes. They've been able to, you know, press at the front, and then they kind of, if you watch them, they kind of ease off and invite teams out, but they just keep possession. It's almost kind of like Jurgen had adapted a bit of Pep's thing, whereas they just like theirs is just City should just pass you to death, and they'll wait for you to make mistakes. Liverpool have had that touch of arrogancy where they've actually then ended up making mistakes, which which I touched on. They've been punished, um, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be it should be a you know fascinating game, regardless of you know City go full of confidence they're going to take them on. So it should be good. They've conceded the first goal as well so many times, JD. You're like, yeah, well, I was looking through the stats on that. Um, I think it was ten or twelve. Or ten out of twelve or some of that. It may, may even be eleven yeah. out of thirteen after uh, yeah, the, the even. Rangers, yeah. I mean, and Rangers first goal like. Again, you're you're looking at a seven-one win and picking uh, the Rangers' first goal defensively is a horror. Yeah, ten in their last twelve. Yeah, yeah, in the, and league, in the league, in the league. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's defining. I think in terms of this could be defining in terms of Jurgen Klopp's future because um, I do just worry at the moment where he's where he's at in terms of motivating these players and does he yeah. see. You know he, he's been on it. He's been very true to players that are probably just aging a bit and getting getting worse, um, including Salah potentially. So it's. It could be grisly. The only thing I've ever seen from a weakness from City is when they're on the back foot and when they sometimes panic, as they have in the Champions League. They're not flawless. Like they're uh, not. I mean, they, they conceded the, three against Newcastle. They're yeah. Th- th- that's when when City are on the back foot and when they concede and when the machine in some way is challenged. Mm. It's almost like an airplane that's always on autopilot and flies beautifully. And when they got to go on, when the pilot has to actually use the controls. It's a bit more challenging for them. This was all before Haaland, though. That's the only thing. That's like, the thing now. Haaland has changed the game. City and Haaland is just... Yeah, they're, they're, they are a lot better. If they don't win the Champions League this season, it will be a failure. Mm. Uh, Celtic 3, Hibernian nil. James Forrest has scored twice for the boys at Parkhead. And it's Leicester nil, Crystal Palace nil. Full-time from the Premier League. Fulham 1, Bournemouth 2. Jefferson Lermas just put the cherries in front after Issa Diap had equalised Dominic Solanke's opener. Wolves nil, Nottingham Forest nil. Spurs and Everton half-five start in the Championship. Luton 3 QPR 1 a result Georgie Kelly getting the winner for Rotherham against Huddersfield 2-1 win for Rotherham Bristol City 0 Millwall 0 as the latest Burnley 2 Swansea 0 Cardiff 0 Coventry 1 it's Middlesbrough 0 Blackburn 2 Preston 0 Stoke 0 Reading 0 West Brom 1 Sheffield United 2 Blackpool 1 Sunderland 0 Wigan 0 also in the Championship it is Watford against Norwich at 7.45 this evening the other games in Scotland uh, Livingston have just scored against St Johnston 1-0 Ross County 0 Dundee United 0 and St Mirren 0 Kilmarnock 0 questions for David Myler from Republic of Ireland International Don McDonnell and Johnny Ward on 53106 Football Saturday and Off the Ball here on News Talk is back after this Off the Ball with 10 year old Amber playing football back in Donegal believe this moment no because she'd probably still be doing the community games subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app 
Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off the Ball. Listen across the country on News Talk. Also, watch us on the digital and social channels on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined in studio by Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. And on the line by the former Republic of Ireland international David Myler. Some texts here on 53106. Lads, what's with the Liverpool love-in and calling players by their first names? Liverpool have zero athletic ability in midfield when Fabinho does not play. The statement of Liverpool being so close to winning four trophies last year is ridiculous. They won two trophies without scoring a goal in them both. Best days are behind this team. A struggle to make the top four, says Connor And Sandyford. I wonder, is he a Man United fan? He's right about the top four on form. They're definitely in a battle. Uh, lads, Klopp's teams of patterns, as in two, three great seasons, then a slump. The same happened with Mainz and Dortmund, plus he's not refreshed the midfield. You're not going to replace a player like Mane overnight, but it's great to see him frustrated and see how managers with weaker teams and smaller budgets have to struggle every season against the bigger clubs, says Adrian in leash. Uh, should set up a League of Ireland on a county basis, maybe two Dublin teams, but county-based league were not big enough to grow a professional game with attendances as they are, says Jack in Dublin. Also tweeting here from Owen O'Neill. Uh, David Myler talking a lot of sense about Liverpool. Less of the gut reaction and more sensible analysis needed. I'm um, looking at you guys on YouTube. You look different to what I expected. You should consider Hollywood, says Kieran in Dublin. I don't know what to say with that. Must be talking about Johnny. Hollywood and County Down, is it? Roy McIlroy country. There was a nightclub in Dublin called Hollywood Nights once. I don't think it exists anymore. I, I mean, it definitely doesn't exist anymore. No. The previous yeah. texter, uh, I, I said that after the first game against Fulham and Dan was calling me out, I said, Liverpool are not good here, but I didn't expect. I don't think it's a good reaction after, what, 10 games, though. This is, this is I mean, it's not a good reaction to say Liverpool are in big trouble. Hi guys, great show as always. Myler's a legend. The last time he was on, he backed Harry Maguire to turn it around. Does he still think he can, says Joe? David. Yes. Okay. Well, like, no, but I've got, like, just, just to answer, right? I played with Harry for a long time. Good friends. And obviously he's going through an awful time. But I still, I'd, I'd like to put the faith in, in a friend and like a professional footballer. I think he can turn it around and he can turn the corner and get his confidence back. Like, I have to, I can't walk around living my life thinking, no, this is nonsense, this is crap, this isn't, I just can't be negative 24-7. So I want to have faith. Likewise, when I speak about Liverpool, I have to have faith that they're going to turn the corner. Good way to live life, actually, David. It is. The, the previous, not to ignore the, the previous text about the League of Ireland, the, the county by yeah. county thing. Um, the thing about it is, actually, I mean, the attendances this year have been pretty good at Premier Division level and with Cork coming up next year, which I'm sure David will be happy with that. Uh, yeah. And potentially, we'll see if it's Waterford or Galway or not. I actually think next year we probably could have our best Premier Division for a while in terms of attendances. Um, so something sustainable actually can be done then but that's up to clubs to also not go mad on wages in the off-season too and that money is is used sensibly. But actually, attendance money this year, attendances this year um, have been the best in, in some time. So that has to be a building block. But it is true that the, the basic point, of course, that huge parts of the country don't have any feeling with it because they've no team there. I mean, that's that's 100% the case and that's obviously a, a big problem. But I, I, can, I see where Jack's coming from. But actually, in Dublin in particular, I think clubs have really sorted themselves out and we can totally justify... Uh, more than two teams in, in Dublin definitely 
It was six tries for Ulster today. The beat Emirates Lions 39-37 in the United Rugby Championship Munster in action tonight. Racing-wise, so 125 at Ascot. This was a Group 2 long-distance cup. Uh, Trushan won the 11-8 favourite. The 2 o'clock, the uh, sprint stakes on Champions Day. Group 1, Kinross won that 3-1 favourite. Then the uh, Feliz and Mare stakes was won by Emily Upjohn, 3-1 favourite as well. Uh, double on the card for Frankie de Tori. And the Queen Elizabeth stakes, the uh, Champions Mile is won by a 33-1 outsider. Bayside boy! In the last hour, so there you go. Anybody who's on that uh, must Wasn't be on JD. No, I, you, you mentioned uh, Bournemouth as well. I think Liverpool have scored most of their goals in the Bournemouth and Rangers games this season. Bournemouth have not lost since. Bournemouth, the game. Bournemouth, Bournemouth are sixth if they win today. Like, who would have thought that? And you say, like, were they harsh on Parker? They they're obviously winning at Fulham, as you say. They're up to sixth if they win today, ahead of Newcastle. Which is totally mad. 2-1 they lead uh, approaching half-time in Craven College against Fulham and Wolves not in farce has gone half-time it's goalless there. Um, any kind of vibes on um, Eric Den Hag then and, and how it's working out from Harry or David is he is he, is it going well? It seems to be. It seems like he's he's very set in his ways and he, he knows what he wants and he's quite straightforward. The big thing JD when you when you look at United he's obviously trying to change I'm not going to say the philosophy of United, but he's trying to implement his philosophy and his style. And I think you saw that with the first couple of performances, like certainly with the Brentford game. And he's kind of reverted a bit away from that. But he's he's kind of found a mix and a balance. Now, I know, obviously, they were cut wide open against Manchester City. But he's he's certainly trying to change things. And I think they're the players, the biggest, the biggest challenge I think he faced was getting the players to buy in. And he's made a huge statement with, like, leaving Ronaldo out because... You look at it now, even when he comes on against Everton scores, everybody's calling out for Ronaldo to start. But like he's 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 kind of fall if he's gonna fall, he's gonna fall on his own sword. He's gonna do things his way. Um, which I commend from like because it is it's United are only one game away from we're back or it's an absolute crisis and it's a disaster. Um they're the most What's the best way to put it? Their fans just get so sucked into everything. You know what I mean? If they have a good result, if they beat in City, they're thinking we're back. We're going to win the Champions League. We're going to win the Premier League. We're going to win everything. And then if they lose, I certainly think there has been positive steps. Um, I still think it's going to take him probably another 18 months um, with another two, three windows to kind of really shift out the deadwood that he doesn't want to bring in some more players that are kind of suit his, obviously, there's still talks of Frankie de Jong because he's not playing with Barcelona in the big games. I think he wants out. I imagine they'll go back after him in January. Um, and he'll try to bring in more players that suit his way. Um, and I think United fans will only benefit from what Eric Ten Hag has done in the next probably 18 months. Casemiro, has he been a positive addition? Well, definitely. He brings, he brings incredible experience. So, like, he's one of those, if you're looking at him in the training ground... Like, if you look at someone like Ronaldo, Ronaldo's someone you can look at and you can watch, but he's he's God to your status. Like, what he's achieved in the game. Casemiro has been on, like, an incredible journey with Real Madrid, being so successful. But I think he would be more of an approachable guy. I'm not saying Ronaldo's not approachable, but it's how hard is it to have a conversation with someone that big that has done so much in the game that everybody wants a piece of. I think Casemiro would be massive for the changing room. I was only looking the other day. If you look at their starting eleven, like how many of them are actually, you know, um, Portuguese-speaking players? Like, there's an incredible amount of them. So, like, bringing in someone like him 
like would be massive because of the experience he has and he'll be able to help those players obviously bridge a gap for Ronaldo um like I'm not saying I'm not saying before anyone takes that out of context that he's a bad person or anything like by all accounts he's an incredible around the around the training ground with younger players and he helps them not but it's still Ronaldo I imagine like you can't just have a normal conversation with someone like him like what do you what do you talk about you ask him across quite a self-centered though in his body language I've, I felt at times maybe it's just he cares so much and as I said before on the show the talent is leaving the body it, it, every single day at 37 years of age um, he's yeah he's an incredible winner JD like you have to be yeah. you have to be selfish you don't get to the level he's gotten to win the things he's won without being so selfish and I imagine he just wants to score every goal in every game and he wants the limelight. Like there was a great snippet that came up of um, years ago at Real Madrid when they played in the Champions League. And it was like the commentator who's talking over it says, this is Cristiano Ronaldo when he scored the penalty in the last minute to beat Juventus to go into the final. He said, this is Ronaldo. This is what he stands for. Like that is everything. He wants to take the penalty. That's when he took his shirt off. He stands there like incredibly ripped. But that is Cristiano. He is... You know what I mean? And I imagine it is frustrating for him because he's so used to winning, like, as a collective with the team and scoring all the goals. But that's not a bad thing either, being that, you know, self-centered and being that selfish because he is a guy that will get you 25, 30 goals a season if you give him the opportunities. It seems like uh, Ten Hag is more satisfied with his physical conditioning now. He was talking about that during the week. Do you think he should deserve to play now against uh, Newcastle tomorrow, David? Uh, so we we just have a, a just a, an issue with David's line there, but um, yeah, live here on News Talk tomorrow. Ronaldo, yeah, Newcastle. Oh, oh that should have been the opener in uh, Molyneux. Halftime highlights, Johnny. Um, um, yeah, it's Wolves had. Uh, <laughs> I was actually aware of that. The, the, the joy of Johnny being um, just in joy, joyously uh, greeting highlights. Watch, watch the Ronaldo the thing, though, can we really well, be back here moment. again? You know, can we really be back? How many times can we be back here? I think the story's <laughs> nearly done. Though. But uh, see, but like that's part of the difficulty. Well, he's seven hundredth. No, career goal last no, I know, week. I know, but like, like, so it is relevant. Uh, no, it, it, it's relevant, but it's it's such a distraction for them as well. The relevance you know. is Man City Liverpool tomorrow, JD. Ronaldo's not relevant anymore. Oh, ooh, that's a sleeping like, statement like for all the Manchester United, United fans. United, United. He's not getting on an ordinary Man United team, and he's what thirty-seven soon. So yeah, um, but yeah, we haven't been, we haven't had a feast of goals today, JD. I watched the yeah. earlier game, um, Leicester Palace, and uh, yeah, just, Palace were my um, pick on marker card, my podcast. Yeah, there, so, they yeah. they weren't great to be fair. I think no, the, they're, they're, the they're, game better team, they're a better team at home. Yeah, I think as the game developed, they just wanted to basically get yeah, a result, yeah, um, yeah. but poor stuff. Yeah, Fulham won, Bournemouth 2 is now at half-time. Wolves nil, Nottingham Forest nil at half-time. Tottenham against Everton, the game of the day at half-past five. In the Championship, Luton 3, QPR 1 is a result, as was Rotherham's 2-1 win over Huddersfield. Uh, at half-time scores, Bristol City nil, Millwall 1. Burnley 3, Swansea nil is a half-time. Good stuff from Burnley. Cardiff nil, Coventry 1. It is Middlesbrough 1, Blackburn 2. Preston nil, Stoke nil. What a surprise, Preston not scoring. Reading nil, West Brom 1. Sheffield United 2, Blackpool 2. It is also Sunderland nil, Wigan 1. One and a 7.45 start Watford against Norwich and in Scotland we also have uh, scores coming in there James Forrest with two goals for Celtic they lead Hibs by three goals nil at the break in the Premiership Livingston 1 St Johnston nil Ross County 1 Dundee United nil and it's half time St Mirren nil Kilmarnock nil David Myler Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward between 4 and 5 on Football Saturday plenty more to talk about if you want to get in touch with a question or a comment you can do so and we'll read them out 53106 and we're back after the news here on Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk
Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five on Football Saturday. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us five three one zero six. Tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation as well. Listen across the country on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to have David Myler on the line from our Republic of Ireland International and in studio, Irish Independent football correspondent Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. A dream just died at Ascot. JD well, he got beaten did he fourth wow on a swan song never been beaten before until today so you you know when we saw see the stars like in in those in his three-year-old campaign I know he wasn't beaten because he was he was beaten on debut but he went to the he went to war six times as a three-year-old he traveled went France England I think he only ran once in Ireland at three um, and his coat had kind of gone at the end when I saw him in Paris um, but he he kept going he kept going he kept going and Baid sidestepped the arc um, to seemingly run in this formality today. He's the son of See the Stars, his best horse, one of the best horses we've seen, and he was just about to go out unbeaten. What was he, like one to six today or whatever, and he finishes fourth. Won it, do we know? It, I think was, it was Bay Bridge. By Bay Bridge. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just like Ronaldo, isn't it? You know, it's very hard to go out at the top. <laughs> That's not very <laughs> yeah. relevant comments there, Dan. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's just the, you know, the Hollywood ending. How many sports... Sports people, sports sports horses. <laughs> Do they get to go out on their own terms? Political you know? careers and the failure. Yeah, yeah like it's 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 hard, isn't it? You know, it's just can't go, can't. Oh, not everyone departs like that Hollywood movie at the end. You know, it's never yeah, that way. Wow. You're off to uh, the Breeders' Cup, JD. That's going to be yeah, fun. I'm off there yeah. in a couple of weeks. Uh, can't wait in Keeneland, which is uh, looks like the Augusta of horse racing mm. uh, in Kentucky. So it'll be a lot of bourbon had and uh, a lot of winners backed. Hopefully. Don't turn it into a Kentucky Derby is decked and then depraved or anything like that. Uh, no. like, like, Keep it to the bourbon. Pictures of the azaleas then if it's going to be like a... Well, Augusta. you know, that's it. I, I can't and, imagine uh, it's going to be set to that gentle piano no, music. No, no, it'll be a bit more yeah. um, thunderstruck to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Baybridge 10 to 1 winner of the... Uh, mm. That's an Irish horse, isn't it? No, it's trained by Sir Michael South. It um, is, yeah. Probably yeah. just enjoy the ground. I think looking from afar I imagine the ground is blunted by you today but um, yeah I, it is actually a bit a dream does dive in a horse like that just uh, just goes to uh, is finally beaten because it was his last race David Myler we hear there's some um, St Finn Bars are playing tomorrow and the, was it 1993 the last hurling final in Cork for, for the Bars oh you'd have to ask my dad that JD I'm a Black Rock man no he's the Bars man of my family so they're playing Black uh, Rock tomorrow Bars and Black Rock yeah okay. he's well I imagine he's 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 probably got one foot in either camp from his own playing days with St. Finbars. But then obviously when I grew up playing hurling and football, um, obviously I played with St. Michael's, which is kind of female club um, or the football club, female club. Um, so I would be a black rock man. But then obviously he coached me as a young fella. So he was he would know a lot of the lads. And obviously with his involvement with Cork over the years, he'd know probably a lot of the players. Um, so... Like the last time I think the Bars won the football and hurling in the same year, obviously because they're in both finals, my dad actually played. Um, right. He won both of them. So um, he's gone tomorrow. Um, but who knows? Who knows who will win? Uh, it's a huge deal, isn't it, for the community, isn't it, when you win a county title? Like it's. Oh, it's. But it's. It's. Like the, it's the beautiful thing about the GA. It's. It's a. It's about the parish and it's about like all the surrounding families that support the club who go and like the volunteers and they go and watch the games all the way from underage up to senior, whether it be 
you know, the hurling or the camogie or the football or whatever, and they all go and it's it's just incredible. Um, if you remember Black Rock won it a couple of years ago and there was an uproar because um, they walked home, didn't they, with the cup during COVID times and there was uproar and all that. But that's, there's part and parcel. That's what makes the GA so special to me. It's just like even when you go and you watch, say, the Corks and your hurlers play in a Munster final or an All-Ireland final or whatever, Nearly every Cork fan knows one of the players or something. There's that, there's that beautiful part of it, um, and it, 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 it is special. Yeah, we um, Roy Keane and Jim Barry Murphy uh, plug in there. Was it Monday Night Football? Yeah, it, it's funny. Like, there's been a lot of um, you know since that latest uh, censor uh, vote. There's been a lot of chat about um, you know potentially reunification, all that. And I think the GA really sums up the kind of contradictions of Ireland because the GEA like, is based on the parish and the parish is very much a Catholic church thing. That's how the parishes kind of came about and that's the kind of the boundaries. But no, nothing has done more to um, kind of set in stone the idea of counties, which was an entirely English concept uh, like the shires in England, than the GEA and the county system, which is kind of like, you know, it's, you don't even consider it anymore in England. Counties that we are also, uh, that we embrace so much um, is so much of a GEA thing. And like uh, my uh, nephew Eric is uh, playing a hurling uh, junior final today and even that, uh, I can tell how much that means at that level and it's, uh, that's the lifeblood of the GEA, the, the club system. So it all comes from county cricket then, Johnny, is what you're saying? Um, that's not what I'm saying at all, actually. Okay. Right. <laughs> Are you listening to me either? Maybe you're right. Grealish, that does affect yeah. me what you were saying. Um, yeah, so it's... We're saying it's, we're, we're, we're better at... Uh, we're better at the old British sort of way of doing things than the Brits themselves. Well, we certainly are at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's a low bar. Uh, yeah. Nobody's been sacked in the cabinet today, by the way. You know. Well, I don't know. We've still got, we've got to five o'clock, yeah. yeah. What's it like living over there at the moment, David, where, you know, you've, what, six chancellors in the last couple of days or whatever it is like? Johnny. I don't get involved in politics. Good man, David. Good man. Good man. Yeah. I want to live here. That was a deaf move. No, those, like, you know, these, these footballers were certain. That was a certain, turn, David. That footballers of a certain generation, they're like, they're very savvy about these things. Like, you know, they never, you never saw Irish dressing room celebrations with their teams on social media either, to be fair, I you know. I wasn't even thinking of that, yeah, but like, like the, the, the whole Brexit thing, what it could do for Irish football is just mad and nobody thought of that. You Like you've, these kids now who just can't go to Britain and they have to be home here. Or, or go to the EU and it's changing everything here it's, yeah. it's I a mean, crazy like on, on one side you've got the destruction of Britain on the other hand you've got a little bit of an offshot for Irish football so you're giving I care more for one than the other I know yeah, there's a lot of sweeping statements on today's show <laughs> uh, Celtic 3 Hibernian nil. Uh, Livingston 1 St Johnston nil. Ross County 1 Dundee United nil. St Mirren nil. Kilmarnock nil. all in Scotland looking for a VAR decision here against looking one of the forest looking for a VAR uh, <laughs> looking for like Liverpool fans will rightly claim that that uh, they, they could well have had a penalty in the first half of the Arsenal game. This is arguably less clear cut, but there, there's a long deliberation over against Nottingham Forest here at Molyneux. Yeah, and there was a penalty shout turned away earlier where the player definitely, it would have been, an, it did strike his arm, but it was, he didn't even move his arm at all. It was in a very natural position, but um, this one here, I think is it, is it Traore cutting yeah, and having a shot? Wolves, yeah. Um, they're taking a bit of time over this one. Yeah, it's um, goalless at the moment, Amalan. You Joe Hodge on the bench for Wolves today. 
Mm. It's uh, funny, as much as I give out about VAR, JD, watching Shamrock Rovers the other night where you've a lad like about two yards, if not three yards yeah. offside the first goal. Disgraceful decision, but the, one of those mad ones were actually the players didn't even appeal because they didn't yeah. realise the, they were getting set and mm. they didn't realise what a bad decision it was. Um, but the, the as Both we see here, the, the ref is heading over towards the sideline, so it doesn't look good for Forest here. You would uh, suggest. Fulham have a penalty. Uh, they're trailing Bournemouth by two goals to one. Leicester Palace goalless full time. Spurs and Everton half five kickoff. Uh, Luton 3 QPR 1 Rotherham 2 Huddersfield 1 these are results from the championship uh, Cardiff nil, Coventry 1 Burnley 3 Swansea nil, Bristol City nil, Millwall 1 Middlesbrough 1 Blackburn 2 Preston nil, Stoke nil, Reading nil, West Brom 1 Sheffield United 2 Blackpool 3 Sunderland nil, Wigan 1 and uh, 7.45 start Watford against Norwich good to see your pal Seamus Coleman get some run in the Everton team there David yeah. obviously because Nathan Patterson's injured but good to see him get a run yeah, and look, you know, you know with Seamus that he'll still be training 100%. Um, he'll still be working extremely hard. Like, Frank will know the importance of having someone like Seamus around the place. Um, and that's just testament to him. He's still going strong. It was his birthday last week at 34 years of age. Like, he'll be crucial for Ireland in the Euros next year, um, you know, in the qualifying. And, you know, everything will need him. Um, he's a big personality, um, someone who gives everything all the time. And, He's kind of the standard setter and, you know, he's he's a fabulous footballer at the same time, but he'll be someone that will be called upon a lot. It is a penalty and it is for Wolves against Nottingham Forest and it's Ruben Neves, the captain, who's going to take it at Molyneux. So, Dean Henderson uh, pacing along a sideline here in this match where both clubs pretty need the win after uh, troubled times, obviously, with Bruno Lage losing his job and Steve Cooper keeping his and Ruben Neves has scored for Wolves. Wolves won Nottingham Forest nil in the Premier League. Good penalty. Keeper went the right way, but he still found the bottom corner. Very good execution. So, yeah, Nathan Collins still suspended, of course. Yeah, for Wolves. So. Yeah. Seems like it's been a while, doesn't it, mm. uh, since he played? Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, David, that you could have a situation where Harry Kane and Youngman's son finished their Spurs careers without winning a trophy, uh, given the way they're playing and the, the seasons they've had in the last years. They combined for their 50th goal the other night against Frankfurt. <laughs> It's ridiculous, isn't it? The statistics them two have of goals and assists with one another. You're right, JD, but that's unfortunately Tottenham. Um, there's not enough fellas doing enough to help them. Obviously, they had that they had that run with Pochettino in the Champions League where you thought, you know, they pushed Liverpool, obviously, with the early goal and then getting caught at late on for the second. But you just... I look at Spurs now with someone, with a manager like Conte, that they'll find a way to win a trophy, whether it be the FA Cup or or whatever, I do believe that they will have success, JD. I think they will. Um, but if they don't, then it is it is quite remarkable that, you know, a player of Harry Kane's ability has not been able to win, you know, certainly a trophy. And if you look at Haaland going to, you know, Manchester City and the goals he's scoring, and there was obviously big talks of Harry Kane wanting to go, and if he had gone, then he'd have probably scored as many goals as, as Haaland. But... It's it's quite fascinating that, like as you said, they could potentially go and not win anything. I mean, JD, as a Spurs fan, right? Could I offer you? <laughs> Here we go. Leicester's last decade or Spurs' last decade, and including to the present day. So you have a situation at the moment where Leicester are bombing, right? They're struggling really badly, but they've won a league, they've won an FA Cup. Leicester's but they haven't been decade. they haven't been consistently challenging. You know what I mean? They've had 
a couple of good seasons. I, I would take La- Leicester's last decade. You'd have the memory. That's the thing. Like they to, have to win, the me- to, to win the Premier League, to win the Premier. League. Jamie Vardy has a has a Premier League medal, and he has. And if you're a club like FA Spurs, there's always a way to come back up. So if, even if Spurs, you know, were relegated as they were in 1977, there's another way to come back up. So. I, w- I would take it like You'd a take Premier League. Take that, yeah. yeah uh, rather than the Spurs, only really challenged. They only had one amazing season, which was 2017, when they got 86 points behind Antonio Conte's Chelsea. So no, <laughs> no, you have to you have to win silverware ultimately. Yeah. Um, Arsenal, David. Obviously, you would have seen them against Liverpool. They've you know no signs of slowing down. How long can they mm. keep it going? Well, it's a very interesting one because everyone says, "Well, Arsenal are in a title race." It's not like anyone disagree with you, but will they be in a title race in four months? At the moment, everything is going well for them. Um, they're a young, vibrant squad. They have a lot of likable players. You kind of look at them, and obviously, you won't being a Tottenham fan, but not gonna be the rest of us will look at them, look at them, and think like your Jesus, your Martinelli's, your Saka's, Smith Rowe's, Odegaard's. They're kind of players that you want to see do well. There's a likability about the squad, and Arteta has got them playing the way that they're enjoying it. They're really fighting for every ball, everything. And they have, you know, these young players have incredible quality and they're, you know, they're full value to be up where they are. It's whether or not they can sustain this for the rest of the season to see if they can push City all the way. Um, I still stand by my word. I think Liverpool will come strong. They'll come good. I don't see them winning. Unless they win tomorrow, I can't see them winning the title. Um but I definitely think Arsenal will be in the top four um, and they'll look then to build over the summer and kind of push again. But what Arteta has done, like if you think about it, uh, at the start of last season, there was fans calling for his head. Most of us would have watched the Amazon all or nothing. Um, you kind of, you could see signs of if he can get a couple more players in his, in his, going his way. You look at like Jesus, Zinchenko, he's brought in very good players that he's worked with before that have helped, you know, the not just the team, but the change room, everything. That seems to be an incredible dynamic going on that you kind of want to be involved with that. And, you know, all credit to them. Um, they fully deserve to be up there. It's just whether or not they can sustain that for the next, you know, six, seven months. Where are they short? Is it the squad strength? Is it maybe the defensive midfield positions? Well, you look at Jacka. jacka has been incredible. Yeah. Um, he's had a new lease of life. If you look at three years ago where he was at with the club, like, you know what I mean, clapping at them and the whole armband situation. Like what Arteta has done with him has been an incredible party. You would look if they were to lose three or four of those key players. Like you can almost already tell, you know, Arsenal starting 11. If they were to lose three or four of those, certainly you're kind of Saka's, Martinelli's, uh, Odegaard, Jesus, can they replace them? Have they got yeah. that squad depth? And the answer would, would be no. They don't have the same type of quality coming off the bench. Um, like Nketiah is good. He's kind of a flash in the pan at times. Like at the back end of last season, season, he scored some important goals. But he wants regular game time, which he's not going to get. Will he? Could he be the man to lead Arsenal's line? I would say no. Um, he'll score goals if he's given opportunities, yes. But Jesus just brings more to the team than he does. And there is that drop-off in quality you know, from kind of position 12 onwards that they don't have, like your Man City kind of squad. I think the, the Athletic yeah. had a piece yeah. during the week, which was interesting, JD, where they spoke about um, a break in play on Sunday. And uh, Arteta, like if you remember the first half, Liverpool were very unlucky to be uh, going in. Like they were, they were, once they went behind, they were comfortably the better team, probably should have had a penalty and so on and so forth. Midway through the half, there was a break in play. And Arteta used it 
to go over to Xhaka and essentially talk to him about what he thought in terms of what they could do to change things. And he's entrusted him to that extent now that Xhaka, this player that looked to all ex extent like the modern footballer who you get out, is now effectively like his conduit on the pitch. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to see him play in Dublin um, in against Ireland. And he's an incredibly good footballer when his mind is on it. And uh, Arsenal have, I mean, they're, I can't see them sustaining it, but well, I think the key thing was then would they get top four? I think they probably will now. Yeah, I, I, I think they're they're probably the most solid team now in terms of the top four because um, just there's a real togetherness and a spirit about them. They also have points, like and Liverpool are so far behind them that um, it just gives them that gap, and they, they they do look they do look like they're totally buying into their manager. They do played Leeds tomorrow with Alan Road, David. Leeds have taken two points in their last fifteen available in the Premier League. Uh, they're still in danger of being in a race here, Leeds, a drop zone race. Oh, 100%. There's, but there's, then again, there's a whole host of teams. Like you look at Leicester today, um, like Leicester, you, you'd like to think that they have too much quality to be where they are, but yet they, they're, you know, bobbing the table for a reason. Um, so like with Leeds, it's, it's about like they need to get points on the table as soon as possible. You can't be looking too far down the road. Um, Arsenal are going to come at them. They're going to be, you know, aggressive. They're going to, they're going to give them opportunities. It's whether or not Leeds can take them, um, and it's one of those that Leeds could find themselves come, you know, post World Cup that February time in and around situations, scrapping hard for points. So, like, they're not out of it yet. But there's a lot of other teams that are there too. Gerard, what do you make of the whole Gerard thing? Uh, it seems like the days of linking him as Klopp's replacement, as far-fetched as that might have been at the time, are gone. And he seems to be in the trenches now in a battle as Villa manager because it hasn't gone as smoothly as he would have hoped. If you're no, a Villa it's fan. not. No, it's not. Um, I watched them against Forrest and, you know, it's a disappointing kind of game where you you look at the creative players that, that they have with Coutinho, Buendia, like those types of players... They're not doing enough. Like Coutinho came, when he came initially to Villa, there was a little injection of quality into the side and he was getting assists and he was popping up with the odd goal here and there. That seems to have faded off. Now, I don't know what the problem is, but you listen to a lot of Villa fans. They don't like their play style. They're unsure what their play style is. They're unsure what their philosophy is meant to be. And I can I can kind of guess that or I can see that with them when you watch Villa you're kind of thinking well what, what are you trying to do here um, now I know firsthand that Stevie is going to have a game plan um, but at times the players it looks to me like they're not executing it there's a bit of off the cuff stuff with them that they're not fully almost buying into what he's doing um, and that can be a concern and if results don't turn around for them, you know, there's a lot of noise already coming from Villa supporters where they want to change the manager. And if they don't pick up results, you know, they're, they're going to be calling for his head and he will he will be under pressure. We've also, Dan, had the draw last week for the European Championship 2024. So we got Netherlands, we get France, oh, God. Greece and Gibraltar. Um, if you're going uh, as a fan who likes your trips... These are amazing trips, especially with Gibraltar now and Faro. So you got uh, Holland, it's the France, news, yeah. and uh, Greece, probably Athens, maybe Amsterdam, somewhere in France and Faro. Is that what it's about for some of these fans going to Ireland matches? Given the fact that the team are struggling at the moment. No, no, I, I, I think like the, 
a lot of the regular fans that you would see and <clears throat> interact with, they want to go to tournaments. They want to be back at an Ireland tournament. I mean, they'd be going anywhere. You know, they'd be going to Kazakhstan, Armenia, wherever, Georgia. Um, I understand that there's, I get it. Listen, life is short. You know, you have to savour moments. Like, I think the new cycle moves so fast now. Anyway, that I'm not sure if we necessarily savour tournaments in the way in the way that we used to. You know, you move on to something so quickly. Um, but in saying that, like that sort of, I remember that exhilaration and that explosion that people felt before Poland in 2012 because it was actually when you think about it, like the first Irish tournament in mainland Europe. Um, since since 1990, you know, 94 in America, loads of people went, loads of people lived over there. 2002, hard to get to for a lot of people, um, but a lot of people still went. Then you had 2012 and 2016, which was brilliant for for so many people, you know, to be so accessible. Um, and I suppose if you think of someone now who was what 16, 17, then. You know, they're looking at, you know, Germany 2024 is a dream tournament. Like, it's, it's a fantastic country. You know, it's a fantastic football host. You know, it's, you know, just a terrific place to go. So is is the idea of, well, at least we have a couple of nice days in France or a couple of nice days in, in Holland, a substitute for missing out in the summer. I I don't know. Wouldn't wouldn't be for me. I mean, particularly, like, you could have, like, that, unfortunately, like, that trip away to Holland is the last, is the last game of the campaign. I just wonder, are people going for a Are people going out there well, for a but, but yeah, but listen, people people go to every, like every sporting, major sporting event you'll go to, but including some of the ones in Dublin will have people there for a jolly. I mean, that's it. Like, you'll have people in All-Ireland Day you're there for a jolly. You know, big Six Nations matches you will. Big Ireland matches you will. You know, that's where you, you see people a bit slower to come out of the premium for the second half. There's always, there's always an element of that. But it's, it's like going back to the you know, the the women's team debate earlier on that, like, you know, if you, if you, you know, it's about sort of the degree of achievement and maybe financially what that can bring and all of those elements can make this more regular. Um, but I know what you're saying, life's for living and there's a positive slant in this draw. I don't think there's any positive slants in this draw, but if you wanted to, to find one, it's that, yes, like you could have a, a special sort of buzz, particularly probably the France away one, because as I said, that Holland one is the last game in a group. I've been to Ireland games at the end of the group when they're dead. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't manufacture it. Like part of that jolly is the sense of hope and exhilaration for the game starts. I remember Ireland played Italy in Poland in 2012. Some people were having a good time, but Ireland were out, and that was very different. So um, you have the potential, yeah, for to hopefully that Ireland can get a good start. Um, and a lot of people might go to Athens in the summer, although it'll be oppressively warm, probably, and then maybe going to France that sort of first week in September, and that could be brilliant. Like, there could be that sense of wow, this is a big game. You're playing against global stars. I totally get how for the players that would be a massive buzz, but a lot of their careers would be defi- defined by the major tournaments they do or don't reach. And for a lot of supporters, it's about getting there and. Um, there were so many other options last Sunday and that was not the one you wanted. You don't see any redeeming features in the in the draw. I thought. mean, the, the, but it's a classic. Like, if you're... Like, you can't just give up either. Is you the get, Nations you, League the route now, the playoff? I know, you have to use the Nations League and, like, Ireland have a chance of getting one to the playoff. Like, I've been thinking about it more since and, like, my, my good feeling still lingers. But then you look at the shape of the group and you think, OK, if Ireland could beat Greece twice and that probably needs to do something like that, 
then maybe you know the, the structure of the games you can use them to your advantage like you need a good result against France at home in March and, and somehow if they could get off to a start in the group I mean David's been involved in a group before that, that took four points off Germany like things things happen um, but it's it's just that 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 degree of frustration that qualifying for a Euros isn't meant to be this difficult now and Ireland have found themselves in that but I mean, yeah, like I'm sure there's going to be a great buzz around the away days. I'm not, I'm not sort of trying to rain on that parade, um, but I'd rather be going to Kazakhstan and Armenia and everywhere next year if it meant Germany somewhere after. But I'm open to other people's opinions on that. Alexander Mitrovic has scored from the penalty spot for Fulham now 2-2 against Bournemouth. David, you were on OTBAM, our breakfast show or digital show during the week, and you're a bit like what you were saying about Liverpool. You, you've got to be half glass full about these things. Yeah. Like I say, I'm I'm like a broken record trying to. Don't get me wrong. If you're to, if you draw it all out, um, like the Dutch, very good team, very good players. French, exact same. Greece, very good team, some very good players. Like those three games, like home and away, are going to be very difficult. It's going to be very hard. But I'm going off my own personal experience, where you know, like eight years ago, yesterday, like we. You know, we drew with Germany when John scores in the last minute, like against the World Cup champions, which which was a team littered with incredible players. Like, and obviously we we beat Germany at home, so like it can happen. Now it's not going to always happen. Um, every time you play a big nation, but if you go into that game with belief and you know a couple of balls fall for you in the right moments, like you think with David Ford played a goal um, away. And he had an incredible night in the goal where, like, okay, Cruz scores probably 25-yard screamer. But, like, we had incredible moments where we were getting blocks in, tackles in. Keeper was pulling off brilliant saves. But it gave us belief and we kept going. Like, you think about the the opportunity Wes Hoolan had that he blew and then another ball falls to him. And all of a sudden, like, you even look at the way Jeff kept the ball alive. Mm. Like, I still don't know how he did it. Like, and then John gets a, I think it's Hummels he's against, and he managed to toe poke one pass, the best goalkeeper in the world at the time, Manuel Neuer. So, like, it's going to be extremely difficult. Like, every player will know that. But why not relish the challenge of going up against the French and the Dutch and the Greeks? Like, knowing that you're slight underdogs, that thinking, like, well, we're not expected to win. Like, but if we can go out, we could put a performance in all you know, 14, 15 players are going to be required to play that night. Like, people still come up to me and talk to me about the Germany games, the Wales game away, the Austria game away, where we got, you know, incredible performances. Yeah, look, we had 15, 20% possession. I couldn't care less. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was those moments where after the game, when the final whistle's going, knowing that we've won the game or that, that, that draw against Germany, like, we're capable of putting in performances and I just look at it and I go into it thinking, why not? Like, of course, I'm not I'm not naive to think that, you know, they're not very good teams and they could open us up and they could pull us apart. But I want to be optimistic and I want to think that, you know, these players could could go and perform for 90 minutes and get a result. We, we've been good against the better teams as well, um, you know, and... I think we've played with a bravery that Irish teams haven't in the past and we've actually looked dangerous at times, particularly in Farrow, obviously, when um, I think if Aaron Connolly had been on his game, we could even have won that night. And uh, 
I think you got to embrace it, JD. I think uh, Ireland. I I'd certainly hope Ireland will be competitive in all the games, and uh, I think we can spring a surprise or two. And if we were to manage to qualify, I mean, just what would that do for the country in terms of the the, the football, you know, disappointments that we've had and the young players coming through. We've um, a very different kind of DNA to the team now, and I think I think they'll embrace it. And uh, it's one one problem they won't have is selling tickets. Yeah, I, I think it's. I've I've a feeling that there will be a big moment in the campaign. Mm. Like I feel like in one of the games, something will happen. Like That's why the Greece but, games are really important. But uh, no, I feel like you know, it, it, like I, I I feel like that that team it does have that big performance in it. It's just doing it it's like six, six times, yeah. you know, in a group like or. or like you know, you're trying to think. You know, do you want one of the other teams to bomb? Like, do you want one of France or Holland to have a nightmare, or do you want it to be a really tight group that it's, you know, that it that it goes till the end in some way? If you if you if you beat sort of, you know, if if you can accumulate a certain amount of points, I don't know. Um, but I think it's possible with the Netherlands. I don't. I think France has too much quality, but the Netherlands is possible because they're they are mercurial when it comes to. They don't qualify for certain tournaments it's historically. Yeah, then you look at the Nations you, League results. Do you, not think, and, yeah. do you not think it would be better, like looking at it, that one, like your France runs away with it? Well, they I, beat everyone. Yeah. France beats everyone and it's kind of like grand. They beat everyone, say 2 3 nil, and they just take their whatever. They take their full points. And then it's kind of like, right, you then limit it down to like a kind of a three way go of us, the Greeks, and the Dutch, and kind of like, right. Who wants it the most? Like who's going to show? Greece take points off? Um, you know. Yeah. I, I think in in some respects the Armenia game, um, it, it was probably better in some respects that it ended up being a this kind of um, awakening in the second half because that game was bleeding out to nothing and I didn't think Ireland were great but like if you win two 0 it's like well Armenia haven't tried a leg here and I just think it, it should give Kenny some clarity in terms of players that he can trust now and why would you concede two goals like that and hopefully there are lessons learned from that because uh, I I mean if if we'd won that two or three 0 you'd be like that was grand but this was. I mean, this this was definitely a rude awakening. I think. Yeah, just but to go back to David's point, the, the thing, the, the odd structure, of the fixtures of the group, like the the Dutch aren't playing in June because they're in the Nations League finals, so they've got like maybe two games in March and then six in the autumn, uh, and Ireland don't play them until the second half of the campaign from Ireland's perspective. So when when France come here in the second group game, France and Holland actually play on the first night in Paris, and you're sort of like it, it actually looks like Ireland are playing. France are quite good times, you know, like France sort of coming to Dublin three days after playing Holland at home and then in that September window away where some of those bigger players can be easing their way back into the season. Um, and I, I totally see the point whereas you'd like the French to to sort of run away with it, but uh, we're going to be playing Holland late in the day when they're maybe under a bit of pressure. But then again, wasn't that 2001? Wasn't that? Wasn't yeah. that? I was. It was yeah. slightly better Irish team in terms of players on the pitch, right? But yeah. it was. It was Holland coming to Dublin in desperation well, territory. Well, well Holland were and uh, a massive hangover from the Euros uh, going into that campaign, and I, I just think this World Cup, and we, we almost we, we haven't thought about it in ways, is going to have such a big impact in terms mm. of players' morale, their mindset. Uh, you know, maybe even injuries. The players that haven't gone to the World Cup. I just think the World Cup is going to be. A seismic uh, 
moment in, huge in, in, you know I think France uh, coming here like I think like look at Mbappe at the moment and he's going through all sorts of stuff in his head without, what the hell's going on there and like France like you remember the last Euros there was all sorts of little internal stuff going on like the, the Pogba stuff and a lot of various strange things going on in players lives at the moment not, without going into it and like they're going to come to an international break in March where like they're suddenly playing as I said Holland at home and Ireland away and in the midst of probably the climax of the club season for a lot of them um, in Ireland of a week waiting for France to come to town maybe, do you know more we talk about this maybe maybe this is on we're creating this, hope this now is on. This, like, David's glass half full has just got us got us sort of Hello, going here David Sunderland have scored 2-1 <laughs> against Wigan who's that who did you say Sunderland yeah, yeah. 2-1 against Wigan uh, but that's the, that's the way you've I've, you've got to look at it like that. Like it's, JD's right, right? The World Cup is coming up. France are going into that where there's huge expectations for them to win, right? Um, you don't know whether or not Deschamps will stay on. Like then you've got your Benzema's Giroud's. Will they decide to keep playing international football? Mbappe at the moment is just a nightmare. He's like a big baby the way he's going on. Like, there's so many different moving pieces that you don't know what French side. Now, they're still littered with quality. Uh, don't get me wrong, but some of their, their superstar players, you don't know what way they'll be in come the qualification. And, you know, the French the French press are quite nasty as well. So if they, mm-hmm. if they do, do have a bad tournament, they'll go after the players. And, like, I remember watching a documentary with... Zidane and all them on the French team like that they were under huge pressure in 98 and there yeah. was a massive divide in the country and whatever so you you just don't know One sec David not in farce of a penalty against Wolves Wolves leading 1-0 they got a penalty they scored it now Brennan Johnson's got a chance to equalise in the spot so. VAR it was a VAR Same penalty thing, as well. handball. Yeah. Yeah, so. No it was a foul Johnny oh, Was it? Yeah, so it Wolves fun. won Forest nil. it's Brennan Johnson against Jose Sa and Sa has oh, saved it wow. He has Good. saved it Wolves won Forest nil. Wolves still in front Wow, these these handballs have just gone ridiculous, aren't they? I thought it was for handball. Dan is saying it's for a I foul. It was a foul. I think it was for regardless, a, regardless yeah. of that penalty being. But like then you look at like Liverpool, like last week, Gabriel's hand is up by his head, like, and that wasn't given mm. as a penalty. And it's kind of like, well, there's nothing, there's no consistency in it at all. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we've got to take a break here. In the Championship, just laid a scores in the Championship. Uh, Bristol City 1, Millwall 2, Burnley 4, Swansea 0. Oh, Buffemi started and was taken off today. Ryan Manning is injured, so yeah, that could have gone better from an Irish perspective. Cardiff 0, Coventry 1, Middlesbrough 1, Blackburn 2, Preston 0, Stoke 2, Reading 0, West Brom 2, Sheffield United 2, Blackpool 3 now, and Sunderland 1, Wigan, uh, Sunderland 2, Wigan 1 rather, as I was saying, Sunderland going in front there. Uh, Celtic lead... Hibs now by five goals to one in Scotland. David Myler, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday, 53106 to Texas. We're back after this. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. And welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan uh, with you as always until five. This is Football Saturday with David Myler, Dan McDonnell, and Johnny Ward. Uh, you can text us 53106 or tweet us at Off the Ball. Uh, 53106, did someone say Ronaldo was surplus to requirements at Man United? They might want to check some stats. But as far as I remember, he's played all the last two games and scored a one of multiple half chances. Most top players need a few games to get back sharpness until Ten Hag gets another top striker. He's got to play. He's Ronaldo. He should have played against City for his presence alone. Dan, maybe one glamour away game per group is enough. 
So there's another of our textures. I think, yeah, I think that the dream group would have been like something like Netherlands or France would have been brilliant. Like, but then in with a, you know, Netherlands and Bosnia would have been a nice group, or Netherlands and Finland, where you have the dream draw, which I think Ireland could have been competitive in anyway. But then you have that, yeah, like 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 Ireland playing Bosnia to get to that sort of the Euros in 2016. Like an opponent of that nature to slug it out with over the group would have been would have been good. Uh, five three one and six. Let's not hide behind the draw, lads. We're either good enough or we're not. We have to start beating teams if we're going to qualify. Says Niall. Ireland will never qualify for any tournament. And Stephen Kenny's manager totally out of his depth. Says Pork. And it looks like a draw for the nineteen eighty two World Cup qualification. Says Brian in Madrid. What it does was the Dutch and the French did we have for uh, nineteen eighty two? Didn't we in the Belgians? And uh, we were very unlucky, and we were probably robbed in Belgium uh, in the qualifying. But that was the way it was then. Uh, just uh, David Miner. Um, you know, what kind of humorously watching Roy Keane and the selfie incident there last weekend on social media. Did you get many autograph hunters or selfie seekers or were you one yourself when you were a young lad? Or how, how do footballers deal with that? I, but like, I, I always wanted to be a footballer, but like, I love football. Um, I was on, just before COVID, I was on a family holiday in Portugal and I saw Harry Kuhl in the airport. Um and I said to my wife, oh, that's Harry Kuehl. He used to play for Liverpool. I want to get a photo. And she went, oh, David, grow up and leave him alone. He's with his family. Um, but I still do it now. If I see someone that I have huge respect for, that I admire, then I'll ask him for a photo, no problem. Um, I met Sergio Garcia, had a chat with him for the Champions League final in Paris. Got a photo with him um, because I like my golf. Um, so I've had, I've had different occasions. It just depends, I think. Some I've handled well, some I haven't handled well. Um, certainly in my early days of playing football, when I would go home to Cork or whatever, and I'd be on a night out, people would want to chat to you. And you're kind of like, well, I'm coming home to see my friends and they can kind of take it the wrong way. Um, it's it's a tricky situation. Yes, they kind of say, well, these people admire you, but at the same time, you kind of just want your own peace and tranquility and to relax and go and watch something. I know the instance you're talking about with Roy at the American football where... You know, somebody's come up to him and he's kind of said, leave me alone. But then again, he's he's gone all the way to London to watch the game. And it's kind of like, I'll do it when I have time or when, you know, there's a pause in the game. I actually want to watch the game because usually it starts. If you do one, then everyone else wants a cut as well. So you end up doing 20 or 30. Um, but then again, it kind of, there's levels to your fame. And I certainly wouldn't have had ever in my life the amount of people come up to me that Roy would. Yeah. Oh, well, I suppose Roy is unique. Um, mm. it's, no, it's no way to live. Like, you know, like, I mean... Like, like you see the wasn't there one of Roy Keane last year where he was coming out was it the Manchester yeah, Derby yeah, or one game that was messy yeah, yeah. and it's just like um, it's I look, a line you don't cross yeah and like Roy Keane's a, you know a star I'm sure like you know he can he can you know I'm sure he can charge Sky fees according to his the power of his personality and his fame and all but still like you know you'd like to think someone's entitled to go out and I don't know go for a meal or go for sort of a walk down the street without being accosted it was that thing about Keane going to going to watch Wigan or going to watch uh, I think it was Wigan you know because he could go there and get in unnoticed and not get hassled it's like I don't know something a little bit poignant about that in some ways too like just to have a he'd want to be an invisible man for a day wasn't there a story a couple of years ago who was the very famous uh, Australian cricketer who came to Dublin I'm trying to think who it was and like a household name in Australia 
So I'm trying to, is it Ponting or one of those? I'm trying to think. Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting. I, I, I think it is. I think it might be. And he was in the, I think he was staying in like the Croke Park Hotel and he had it in his head that like, you know, walking to town or something, he might get stopped by people and he just thought this was amazing that no one knew who he was here. Right. And it was just like all of a sudden a great sense of liberation. I think there was a thing that a lot of footballers used to like going to America and stuff as well because you wouldn't have that same recognition Steph Curry was in Dublin and I, yeah, I wonder if yeah. people would have recognised Steph Curry if he'd been walking around Dublin because he was he was in Dublin yeah. and like he was one of the greatest basketball players that have ever played the game yeah it must be just liberating to have that attention and then go somewhere where yeah. you can actually just I'll have to think of some places to go Johnny and yourself as well <laughs> you in Kentucky JD or I Keenan. definitely would not have the ball the ball to go up to ask Roy Keane for anything I would just be like nah Roy Keane like, and it wasn't not really an autograph hunter but I think Keno has that air where I'd say he puts off maybe 90% of people just by being Roy Keane maybe I'm wrong I wouldn't have the balls for it I have I actually I, do you know what I played I played with Cork City against Sunderland back in 2007-2008. And um, obviously, it was the time Roy was manager mm. of Sunderland. It was before I signed. But he actually walked through our changing room. If, you, if you're familiar with Turner's Cross, the way the changing rooms are set, but it was a way for him to slip out straight onto the bus. Um, I asked him for a selfie. Um, I got a selfie with him, and I remember I showed him years later, obviously, when I became more friendly with him and he said Jesus I'm actually smiling in that um, <laughs> it was a nice moment where I kind of showed him the photo and he he was so confused as why he was smiling in the selfie hmm. um, but yeah but look it's part and parcel of it if you go and I remember um, I was in Miami a few years ago um, on holiday and uh, bumped into Ronaldinho and he bumped like, into you David in fairness no 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 I went out of my way Jay, John to find him um, but like look I get it I've been on both sides of it nowhere near some of these lads we're mentioning like but um, you just kind of you got to get on with it uh, just some serious news uh, Mason Greenwood has been charged with attempted rape engaging in controlling and coercive behaviour and assault will appear on court on Monday we'll have more on that story uh, in our news bulletins throughout the day and obviously on the show tomorrow as well uh, also tomorrow Dan and Johnny we've got the FAI Cup semi-finals uh, Treaty United of Limerick first division club going to Derry and then we have Waterford against Shelburne yeah well like um I mean, Johnny would be would have a lot of admiration, I think, for Tommy Barrett at, at Treaty, and he's done a fantastic job there. But they're up against it going to Derry. Um, I'd imagine Derry being the final. I'm going to Waterford, Waterford Childs. I'm really looking forward to it. Waterford are flying this season, uh, in particular the last couple of months. They're flying. They've probably got promotion form now. Just started the season very slowly. Change manager. And you have shells. You do have the Damien. It's Damien Duff Shelburne. Whether people like it or not, I mean, yeah. it is the. Yeah. It is this, the 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 the, the angle that grabs him. Watching the women's game with his young daughter, didn't? Like yeah, it. yeah. No, he's like he, he did. I wasn't at it myself, but he was doing some press stuff the day after, so naturally it would come up. But um, I think he has said the idea of like managing a team at the Aviva Stadium, like in a cup final, will be up there with anything in his career because I suppose there's a obviously different engagement as a manager um, and and I, I think he's sincere when he says that so um, I sort of have this as much as Waterford I can see all the angles where Waterford should win I just have this sneaky feeling that Shells they've they've become they've, they've developed a certain resilience that hasn't necessarily been translated into results all the time but um, and there's a bit of Derry Shells niggle over a game recently uh, between the clubs so I like the idea Derry Shells Cup final I don't know about you Johnny 
Agree, yeah. Although I, I definitely find I think it's a 50-50 game tomorrow. Watford have yeah. Phoenix Patterson winning the Player of the Month for a First Division player is, I'm sure, it doesn't happen very often. And um, you know, just looking at the stats today, Cork City's form in the last eight games in the First Division has like been. I think they got nine points. Going now, they got seven out of twenty-four. So um, Cork has sort of stumbled over the line. But if Watford had actually started the season like they're playing now, I think Watford, and Duff said this as well, they would have won the first division. And uh, I am greatly looking forward to the cup final, whoever it is. And uh, yeah, Derry, I'm going to predict Derry-Watford, but uh, hopefully we have some excitement tomorrow. Good to see Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman both playing in the uh, Tottenham-Everton game. So the Spurs team, Larice in goal, uh, Romero Dyer and Ben Davies, the three at the back. Uh, Doherty and... Perisic, the wing-backs with uh, Hoybier and Bantancourt, and then the three up front, uh, Richarlison, Son and Kane, and for Everton, Pickford and goal, uh, Tarkovsky uh, and Cody in the middle with uh, Mikolenko and, and Coleman on the flanks. Then Anana, Iwobi and Gay, uh, no change there, and then uh, Dwight McNeil, Damari Gray and Neil Mopay in the front position, so half-five start for that one. Two little Irish things to mention, JD, as well. Will Smallbone has scored for Stoke right. away to Preston. I think that's his first goal. And uh, Joe Hodge has just been introduced off the bench for Wolves here against Forest. So um, second Premier League appearance after coming on against Chelsea last week. Matches finishing in the Championship. Bristol City 1, Millwall 2, Burnley 4, Swansea 0, Cardiff 0, Coventry 1, Middlesbrough 1, Blackburn 2, Preston 0, Stoke 2, as Dan was saying, Reading 0, West Brom 2, Sheffield United 2, Blackpool 3, Blackpool down to 9 players but they lead and some Sunderland 2, Wigan 1, Celtic have been hammering, Hibernian all day, 6-1 they lead now in stoppage time, Livingston 1, St Johnston 0, Ross County 1, Dundee United 1, St Mirren 0, Kilmarnock 0 and in the Premier League earlier on, Leicester City 0, Crystal Palace 0, Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2 uh, is in stoppage time and Wolves 1, Nottingham Forest 0 also in stoppage time. David Myler, quick on the neck on the block time prediction tomorrow in Liverpool City. 2-2. Two, two. Good man. And Dan and Johnny, who's going to win tomorrow, City? 3-1 City. And Johnny? I think it'll be like 4-5-1. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, that's not David Miter's face for people who haven't, who haven't seen it here. Conceding. I think the Liverpool crowd will be massive tomorrow, but yeah, I, City will destroy them the way they're playing defensively, I think. That's an uh, instant reel, David, for Instagram, the reaction that you gave to Johnny there. Uh, what, Johnny's, you know, Johnny's meant to be a Liverpool supporter as well. Come on, Johnny. But it's it's I, I, I'm just I'm being logical here. Watch I'm watching it with my own eyes. Um, you you are extremely blinkered when it comes to Liverpool. You're far too uh, positive. But uh, maybe David will be right. Ken, before we go, can I just congratulate Ballygar? They did win the my my brother-in-law team. They won the county finals. They were talking about big county finals. But Ballygar Hurling Club are back in intermediate. So great uh, fun to be having. Johnny's very blinkered when it comes to Ballygar. Must yeah. be said. You know, and Hurling is uh, Hurling in, is a bit of an outpost in North East Galway but not anymore David, Johnny and Dan thanks so much folks Cheers gents Gotta leave it there don't forget off the ball back tomorrow from 1 to 7 here on News Talk with Joe Malloy in the chair we will showcase two live and exclusive commentary games from the Premier League so first up at 2 Manchester United against Newcastle United Nathan Murphy and Vinnie Perth calling that one then Stephen Doyle and Damien Delaney will describe the showdown involving Liverpool and Manchester City which kicks off at half 4 what a game that promises to be between two of the world's best clubs only on News Talk. We'll also have the Sunday paper review across our digital and social channels from half 11 with the former Ireland rugby international Owen Redden and Brenton O'Brien. Be sure to join us tomorrow then for some great commentaries and conversation. If you missed any of OTB Football Saturday, celebrating the football uh, with David Myler, Dan McDonnell and John <laughs> Ward and also the uh, Saturday panel with the World Cup qualification for the uh, 
We're just looking here that is Wolves. Joe Hodge just uh, <laughs> Joe tried Hodge. to decapitate a dying Forest player during JD's sign off. This is like, very inconvenient. And Wolves are about to win one nil, and Joe Hodge, yeah, he, he's going to save the day for Wolves. Thanks, thanks so much for listening to us today. Balance. We'll speak tomorrow at one. Bye bye. Football on off the ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports.